to the Guelph Politicast. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico. Today I talked to Brent McKenzie, who is a professor in the Department of Marketing and Consumer Studies at the Gordon S. Lang School of Business and Economics at the University of Guelph. As a marketing prof, McKenzie has a very particular and peculiar area of focus, dark tourism. Maybe you've heard the term. There's a whole Netflix series about it, but you don't have to go abroad to somewhere famous to get a taste of dark tourism. Would it surprise you to learn that we have a hot little dark tourism industry right here in Guelph? It's true, and you may have even taken part in it, but as we approach Halloween on Tuesday, perhaps it's time we appreciated just what kind of a sordid little town we have here, historically speaking. Dark tourism, as a local obsession, is the topic of this week's Guelph Politicast. Now, last weekend, I took part in the Ghost Walk of Guelph. You may remember Greg Taylor from one of the earliest episodes of the Guelph Politicast. And at that point, he'd only been doing the walk for a couple of years. He's now been doing it for 10. It speaks to the deep desire we have to interact with the macabre and the supernatural and all things dark. And Guelph can be very dark indeed. Despite our modern concerns about crime and safety, we fascinatedly talk about the Al Capone days at the Albion, or the supposed haunted houses and old buildings that are downtown, or where there might still be some forgotten remains in once former graveyards in the area. Well, there's a proper name for this experience, and it's called Dark Tourism. Now, there's an actual definition for dark tourism, and we're going to get to that. But what's interesting about dark tourism as it pertains to Guelph is multifaceted. First, the city of Guelph has been dedicating time and resources lately to developing a tourism strategy. And the focus has been on some of the usual suspects like sports tournaments, music festivals, and classically heritage things like Catholic Hill. Second, our thriving dark tourism industry is largely grassroots. It's people like Greg Taylor and Jay Wilson and Bonnie Dartnell, people who have turned their fascination with the dark corners of Guelph into a lucrative side hustle. And then, to my surprise, the University of Guelph actually has a professor who studies dark tourism, and perhaps he might be able to answer this question. Is Guelph a dark tourism hotspot and we don't know it? Brent McKenzie is going to answer that and other questions on this week's edition of the Guelph Politicast. He's going to give us that formal definition of dark tourism and talk about the local examples of the trade. He's also going to talk about the grassroots nature of dark tourism, whether or not you can invent dark tourism opportunities, and whether anywhere you might go have a dark underbelly to celebrate. And finally, we will talk about whether dark tourism can go too far, the fine line in creating dark tourism merch, and some of Mackenzie's favorite dark tourism experiences, whether they're in Guelph or not. So I caught up with Brent McKenzie last week via Zoom. Okay, Brent McKenzie, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. First, can you start by, uh, you know, I guess since you teach it and 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 research it you know you you have an academic definition of dark tourism and, and what that is can you sort of explain you know in in how you understand it, what dark tourism is and sort of where it came from 
Uh, certainly, it's. Um, I mean, there are multiple definitions, but I've been sticking to the basically dark tourism is the visiting or studying of sites or attractions or events related to death, suffering, and the seemingly macabre. Uh, <laughs> that's um, Philip Stone's definition out of uh, University of Central Lancashire uh, in England. They actually have a, a center for um, dark tourism research there. Mm. Uh, even he has changed his thoughts on some of this, but but I like the definition because it's broad enough to cover. And as I, I tell most people, it's basically anywhere from a concentration camp to a haunted house or a ghost walk. Um, they would all fit in to that definition. Uh, the challenge is often um, groups do not always like one, the name and two, uh, mm. to necessarily consider what they do or the attractions or sites that they um, offer or have, uh, they don't necessarily like to be lumped in under this thing called dark tourism. Yeah, I, I can imagine it. you can kind of take it a number of ways. You know, you mentioned, you know, concentration camps, that would definitely be a fall under that definition. But, you know, I, I think if you worked at, a, you know, a memorial site like that, you would probably consider the dark tourism tag rather frivolous. Um, but at the same time, I'm sure if you talk to you know, to think of the local example, Jay Wilson, who has these sort of meticulously curated walks about, you know, uh, the unfortunate man and and <laughs> this deep Guelph history. He might also consider it frivolous too. That it's just like it's just a a a, a tag you've put on it. Yeah, and and uh, to build on that um, again, uh, Philip Stone has developed uh, um, a scale of dark tourism. So there's the darkest dark which again would be your concentration camp and then your lightest dark um, would be your, your haunted houses and part of that ties into quote reality or history or education is a big thing and as you mentioned a concentration camp obviously it was a real event a lot of the obviously the real sites you visit yeah. and the hope is you're taking something away from your visit there um, and to be honest uh, the first dark tourism conference I went to there were a number of uh, representatives of different, let's say, tourism, uh, specifically a group that does uh, battlefield tourism in Western Europe. And they they were quite a openly offended uh, <laughs> to say that this is considered dark tourism, or what they do is dark tourism. And I guess rightly or wrongly, and I always say it could be a Canadianness too, <laughs> I tend to sit in the middle of, um, it's not necessarily right or wrong in these things, but as long as you define what you're doing, and why you're doing it. Um, I have definitely viewed dark tourism as a very broad um, concept. And that's why I like this definition, because it can um, extend from some pretty horrific stuff into arguably some fun things in irreverent looking at different events that were arguably dark. Um, and as a more specifically as a marketing professor, uh, I've always been very interested in like either why do you market this stuff how do you market this stuff and i've done a fair bit of research too actually on souvenirs mm. <laughs> excuse me so what kind of things do you sell at these sites and what kind of things should you or should you not uh sell at these places as well so i'm continually collecting things and people come in my office and kind of going <laughs> why do you have this stuff and uh, 
Um, I was, it's very much for educational purposes. So yeah, <laughs> these are teaching aids. Yes. Um, <laughs> I mean, if you're interested, I can show you some on screen, but I just have a, a couple here, but uh, the Titanic's always been a big one. Cause yeah, it's uh, uh, the amount of things you can buy based on the Titanic. And one of my favorite is Titanic. You put tea in a little ship and then it sinks in your mug and you have your tea um i have things with the um, actual coal from the bottom of the ocean from the titanic in a hourglass and then a snow globe like mm -hmm. so these things that are marketed um, i'm always fascinated and uh but that always brings up the question of i think comedians always say history and tragedy and time is yeah humor. so you, you do yeah. see more of this stuff but I'm still fascinated when I come across different things on my journeys um, that people market. Um, right. And and I think that's an important distinction in, in your case. You're coming at it from a marketing point of view. Um, and marketing is all about like sort of, you know, how you sell things. But in order to sell something, you have to kind of put a name on it. So in so much as people may not like the dark tourism label, you, you kind of need some, to call it something in order to get people to take part in it oh, oh exactly I, I mean and and this is where it's always i'm always quite interested too because a lot of people go oh i guess i am a dark tourist because i visited <laughs> certain sites but you didn't necessarily hey i'm going to be a dark tourist um, but over time that has changed a lot because of the i mean the name itself and uh, in the media or references tv shows etc there's more and more discussion of the of the term but I mean, dark tourism self goes, I think it's thanatourism is the technical name, which is basically death tourism has been around mm. for probably a century now as an actual discipline of study. Um, and then it became dark tourism. Uh, two authors, again, out of the UK, Lennon Foley, um, coined the term dark tourism. And, and that has really, I don't want to say spurred the growth of the topic but it, it certainly has spurred the communication of the uh, of the term uh, mm -hmm. to where we are now mm -hmm. but to get back to the local though you would definitely classify something like the ghost walk of guelph um the, the various tours that guelph urbex does you know jay wilson's you know uh unfortunate man in guelph early years walk like th those are definite local examples of dark tourism I would consider that, and and um, we've had um, so the course I was teaching um, with introduction to dark tourism or dark tourism, I guess, um, was a first year course, and it was for students from any discipline can take it, and they were very small classes. I think when it ended, it was under twenty one. Fortunately, the program's on hold right now, but part of that class, I would have some kind of a field trip, and I had the ghost. Uh, tour the the one where the students do go downtown and walk around Guelph and find uh, are told about the um, history in the dark past uh, <laughs> but we've also had them do them at the university and uh, to me that was the first time I went through that that was quite enlightening too obviously as a marketer um, you don't <laughs> tend to put that in your uh, university of Guelph marketing materials right. but um, like any place that's been around uh, in buildings that have been around for for over a century, some of these uh, there's obviously events have occurred uh, that uh, um, are quite uh, can be considered dark. And again, the students tended to very much enjoy that as well because you're actually, I mean, they are kind of participating uh, into the the learning experience in that case. Um, I did a I did one too, an actual field course. We went to Bermuda. Um, mm. which, 
obviously the students enjoyed that because it was in February. Um, <laughs> but to me, that's a great example of a, a place everyone probably knows about the Bermuda Triangle or has heard of it. But from the Bermudian standpoint, I mean, it's a tourist place. It's in, That's one of their biggest industry, basically, I think, other than finance or something. Mm-hmm. Um, more recently, they've started talking about what we would consider more dark past. The last two executions in the British Empire were actually in Bermuda. Mm. Um, and then obviously the transatlantic uh, slave trade went through there. So um, that's another area I've always been quite uh, interested in, which ties in obviously the perspectives of the local communities on what stories do they want told. And uh, and as I said, the Bermuda one was interesting because obviously the traditional tourism want the fun, fun and sun uh, experiences, which is still the vast majority of the tourism. But the Bermudians themselves saying, well, we have other stories we think are important um, for visitors to know about as well. So you see a few more of those, which I would call more cultural yeah. uh, history tours. And they they kind of go darker because, as you said, you know, people hear Bermuda, they think Bermuda Triangle, which, I mean, it's a serious thing. People have, you know, disappeared and, and whether it's ships or planes, never heard from again. But we kind of think it's kind of a frivolous supernatural thing that probably doesn't exist but then you go from that to the more deeply serious stuff like the slave trade and they they kind of have made that pivot (laughs) well they i I think again it's it's having the multiple voices of uh, of not obviously you're still catering to a great degree to visitors but your your local communities should have a um a right i mean there was burnings they there was Sally, I can't remember her last name now. Uh, there's a statue depicting her being burned at the stake. Um, mm-hmm. It's not typically in your traditional Bermuda tourism guide. <laughs> um, but I was fascinated when you said about the shipwrecks too. I mean, I've asked about that. People go there because there's fantastic diving. Yeah. Uh, and I talked to owners of the um, companies that take people out to the dives. And I said, well, do you actually talk about the people or i mean they're they're those stories they may not be people you've heard of but i mean that was part of the fact that you have a shipwreck yeah um, and and the other one i found into they said like historically they would often want ships to wreck in bermuda because that's how they got stuff right um, so again <laughs> you don't tend to talk about those stories but uh it is part of the whole fabric of the history of the of the country um yeah um you mentioned this friction sort of you don't put the dark stuff in sort of like your typical tourist materials and i'm wondering because we we just had this at at the city this whole sort of uh the city of guelph i mean uh, this whole sort of uh period of sort of community research and feedback into like how do we, we improve the the tourism sector and bring more people to guelph and it's like there's kind of this grassroots thing with this dark tourism angle. And you see the pictures online of the people who go to the ghost walk and it's like, like two dozen people and it's like every week. And I'm curious because we kind of like initially sort of like brisk at this idea of sort of indulging those sort of darker aspects of the past or darker aspects of our, of our locality. Is it kind of a common thing that sort of dark tourism has a kind of, um, I want to say grassroots, like it's kind of like a community endeavor more than like an official like tourism board endeavor. Um, kind of both. Uh, the, I mean, the 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 most famous locations, obviously, in the world are where they are because the events occurred in those 
um, cities. And, 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 but what you, the, the question you're raising is always important because you have multiple stakeholders. So you have the people who live in the city, you have the people who are going to spend some money to come to the city. Uh, you have the company or supporters of whatever the attraction is that is going to be offered. And then, as you mentioned, there's formalized uh, tourism groups. Um, and that's why I'm, I'm, I've also been interested in these ghost walks because it seems like every town now has one. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But then it comes back to from a sustainable, and when I mean sustainable, not sustainability, but continual right. tourism, it, it's you're not going to get the people doing the same tour uh, in that case. So it's trying to have the infrastructure of what else do we have to offer uh, maybe they'll come like in generally October is the, the biggest month for for ghost walks because of, of Halloween. Uh, but now you also see other areas which I'm doing research on is the Day of the Dead. I mean, it comes mm. out of Mexico, but uh, a lot of cities now have Day of the Dead celebrations. And arguably, there's not a, a huge connection to the cities of where they are. Um, but it, the timing of it, it's November 1st and 2nd, fits in with the whole Halloween thing and skulls and, and those sort of things. So the grassroots can kind of build on this, but this goes back to, is it a purposefully built tourism um, activity or experience, or is it something based on where the city is that it makes sense to, to, to have that here? And mm. as I said, the, the, the ghost walks, the former jails, um and again i'll get the name wrong but the lands we have here in the north end yeah the, the or land yeah so that would certainly fit in um if it was developed as a tourist site would be fall within dark tourism but like again you have a lot of controversy or different views on saying what are you and again the word exploitation comes up and mm. Obviously, marketers aren't necessarily the best people to uh, <laughs> to comment on that. Again, I always have very much stress. I'm an academic studying marketing. I'm not a. I have no vested interest of success or failure of any of these uh, uh, endeavors. But they they have interesting stories, and the question is often comes up: whose story are you telling? Because the right. same story can have multiple uh, different views, and that's been a common experience for my research in Eastern Europe because a lot of uh, coming out of the Soviet period, I mean, you have very different experiences through that 50, 60 years. And now with the war in Ukraine, I mean, it's it's a whole other um, reality uh, that, that you're talking about and what kind of things do you or do you not, it's not even necessarily talk about, but it's do you market? Um, right. Do you expect to get income? And uh, and then when you have different cultural groups too, I mean, they, they certainly have um, rights. Everyone has a right to talk about the same event, but uh, which stories do you end up talking the most about and which ones do you, as you say, kind of profit from or, or create the infrastructure to have these kind of uh, uh, sites and attractions. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's that friction of it too, that, you know, you're, you're keeping history alive and that can be, you know, that can have its own rewards, but um, there's also the more, let's say, mercurial awards. I, I guess the the Titanic is a good example of that. It's, you know, it's, it is a sort of like a classic, you know, man versus nature story uh, and a very real human tragedy. But I mean, on the other hand, it was turned into one of the biggest movies of all time. <laughs> 
uh, movie, there's been musical, books, everything, all the all those sort of things. And I, I was asked to talk uh, at a, on a few sites a couple months ago back with the the Titan Submersible when it. Uh, mm. Um, and to me, that that brought up the discussion of danger tourism, which is, uh, mm. is something I don't, I do not focus on. I, I if if I want to do research, I like to be able to, not necessarily participate, but at least go to these places. And I've never seen the attraction of going somewhere that's actually dangerous. Um, and I would put the Titan in that as a bit of a. It was still new technology, and you're now marketing it people to uh, to go on a trip. Yeah. Um, and arguably you would still see much better video from the 4k or whatever videos they already have of the wreckage anyhow so or as others say it's a gravesite. um so why do you want to go in this little machine and uh, to see it up close when you're still not really seeing it that up close so it, it, it's it's something i mean i was wondering about like can you take these things too far and you you've made you've kind of drawn this distinction to like danger tourism if you want to engage with titanic from a dark tourism angle you can go to halifax you can go to the mm -hmm. museum uh of the maritimes you there's yep. there's graveyards in halifax where titanic victims are buried yep. you don't have to go down year. to the, yeah you don't <laughs> have to go down to the freaking ship <laughs> no and, and and as i said i mean it's it's one thing going down in and in, in something that's been down there hundreds and hundreds of times. Right. Um, I don't think tourists should be pioneers, if you will, of, uh, <laughs> uh, or ex of the first explorers of certain things. I, I, I'm kind of, maybe it's an age thing, but it's, let's, let's wait till the technology has kind of proven itself before you're charging people to go um, down again, to see something that arguably you're not, getting out and interacting with it yeah. uh, so anyhow there's i mean there's titanic uh, museums in florida there's one in i believe in tennessee and again those places have no connection yeah. uh, to the actual <laughs> event and that's another debate and this goes back to authenticity is a big question uh, right you can create whatever you want and tell the stories but a lot of tourists uh, particularly younger tourists saying well i want something more authentic and I was hating yeah. this more authentic. It's either authentic or it's not. Right. Uh, but uh, but um, others saying, well, I just want to see the artifacts and those sort of things. I mean, museums, that's kind of what they're based on is having authentic items, but they're not necessarily related to where they are and where you're going to see them. But it gives people opportunities to see them. You know, speaking of that authenticity, um, can anywhere be dark like you know you're talking about different places are you know coming up with ghost walks and you know i'm from georgetown which on the surface doesn't necessarily appear to be you know a dark place it doesn't have this gloomy history i mean perhaps outside of you know most canadian experiences of you know settlerism and colonialism but just you know there was no disaster there there was no um you know crime wave or anything like that but you know having said that we can all find dark tor dark corners wherever we live right oh oh definitely and this and this kind of circles back to the discussion of uh, local communities because some local communities don't want to talk about mm. um, that dark past and for certain reasons and again this is the time and the history aspect if they're still direct descendants i guess of of whatever the event may have been 
Um, it's not necessarily something you want to talk about. And then we, we talked earlier about formal tourism groups. Uh, generally, death isn't a, <laughs> a selling point. Yeah, um, it is. I mean, it's proven it is. But uh, um, it's how do you look at that? And and when you mentioned Georgetown, I, I grew up in Mississauga, and I yeah. was fourteen or something when the train derailment went. Yeah, and the mayor Hazel McCallum at the time wanted to take that tanker and put it out as a as a like a memorial or place to visit to show where this explosion occurred and of course cn is saying well uh no <laughs> or was it cp i can't remember um said we don't want our tanker our exploded tanker sitting here for people to see this disaster we kind of caused um so but over time and, and the reason that popped up uh i had a t-shirt that said mississauga moves me they they marketed that um, and I don't know if it was created because of the slogan for something else, but they sold them during the derailment um, as as something and going, oh, yeah, you had to move out of the city because of the derailment and whatever. So if there's commerce opportunities, often the darkness can become secondary. But as I said, to me, it comes back to whose story you're telling, who's why you're telling it and what's the purpose. Uh, if it's purely commerce, then I mean, I don't want to knock Niagara Falls, but I, I love going to Niagara Falls. It's it's tacky commercialism. It's great. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, that's dark tourism. There's the House of Frankenstein, I think, and Dracula's Castle, and mm. um, and some real scare one where they keep track. Can't remember the name. Was it Scream or something? They keep track of how many people because you have to yell chicken, and then you can leave during the thing because it's the people are so scared. Um, and I took students down there, but we visited a cemetery. And the, one of the graves is of a barrel, shaped as a barrel, the guy who went over the falls in a barrel. Right. So those things, again, you may the locals may just say, well, this is history. These are stories. And I'd say yes, but they would fall into dark tourism. Is um, there something dark, <laughs> in a lot of these cases, death, uh, that, that occurred? Well, you're probably one of the, the best people to ask this question what are some of the some of the best dark tourism experiences that one can have it doesn't i mean it doesn't necessarily have to be in canada or guelph or anything but you know just from you from your research well i i mean i'll give you a kind of two lists i mean there's the classic top 10 lists of pompeii chernobyl mm. um things like that but though neither of those i i've been to and again i had zero desire to go to chernobyl because of <laughs> It's still radiated, but um, if you don't mind, I was just going on a little tangent there because sure, I've sure. been writing about the role of uh, media and like Marshall McLuhan and the medium is a message. So okay. the way things are depicted and I read a book and the guy went to Chernobyl and he said it felt like deja vu because he'd played the Call of Duty game and he'd mm. seen, the, I think it's the Ferris wheel or whatever, the park, the the iconic shots and and so when he visited it's like well he learned about it from a video game does that make it less dark then because you were playing a game about it right Anyhow. um but my my personal ones and as i said i do a lot of research in eastern europe or have been doing a lot of research in eastern europe and specifically i'd go to estonia and they still have a very large ethnic russian population so the 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 this the not even the distant past but in the last half century they have different remembrances so when i first went there there was a lot of uh, there was new museums and they talked about all the atrocities not just of the soviet period but the uh, nazi they were occupied in nazi germany 
so there was no real controversy on any of those things. But then you started to see these kitschy things of literally team building. You get arrested in a Soviet era bus, the police say, and then you sing Russian drinking songs and do shots of vodka. And mm-hmm. people love doing those things. But when you live there and you see this this bus going down the street and going like this was a horrific period and now you're making light of it. So um, those and, and so I visited a number of sites there and, 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 and the other ones I like they have I, the Soviet period monuments. I mean, from an artistic and again, I'm certainly the last person to ask about the artistic value of certain things, but they're striking images and uh, the structures, the skies, the sculpt. And as I said, they're sculpture parks. Um, a lot of them have been get they've gotten rid of them. And I said, well, you don't need to leave them where they were, but that's to me a concern too. Mm. And, and sorry, I kind of went off on a tangent there. No, no. Um, I mean, the other iconic, uh, certainly the nine 11 museum in New York city. Um, I was fortunate to be invited to, to speak at a conference there. That was uh, the first time I've ever been there. So the first time I went in, I mean, it was extremely moving. But then you went there the next three straight days and it, it became almost off-putting saying, like, I, I know it's bad, but why do I want to keep coming here? Right. And, and then you started and that got me interested about the people who work at these places. I, I mean, the 9-11 Museum, there's generally some kind of connection uh, to a lot of the tour guides because of their firsthand experience or they're in New York City. Uh, on those days so that museum to me it is definitely need to see but it's great moving experience but then you go to the gift shop and Mm. kind of have this you can get a nascar car saying remember never forget and uh, i don't know um it's obviously i bought it Uh, and then postcards and things so but in terms of the darkness obviously it's where it occurred um there's still literally identifying uh, uh people at that physical site um yeah. 20 something years later um other things as i said bermuda to me was interesting about the bermuda triangle because they you can go out on a it was interesting going on a boat and saying here's the point of the triangle and then you ask most people what are the other two points <laughs> and i guess it's miami and puerto rico or to make up the triangle yeah um, so that was interesting i've been to a number of jails former jails one in uh, crumlin road in belfast belfast itself uh, i mean if you want to go to a dark tourism city um, unfortunately again it's not even that old but yeah. uh, going around seeing all the murals um the hunger strikers all those things the sectarian violence the fact they still have um literally fences that areas close at night that you, because you can't go back and forth between the different parts of the city yeah um, extremely dark um scotland uh, a favorite of mine um <laughs> the, again a lot of the dark stuff's very old dark so it's it's yeah. not uh, um it's, it's not that uh controversial if you will um and again other museums uh, i've i was in um, um st petersburg a, a couple times on a research trip uh, i went to the cemetery of the victims of the uh, siege of leningrad and mm. uh, you just see this massive area of graves and uh, it's not even identifiable graves and you talk about the numbers and all the, the tragedy that occurred and then you read about it and you get more into that um 
uh, was in Normandy last year for the first time. I mean, again, extremely moving, just going down on the beach and going, well, it's a beach and you're looking out at the, I guess, the English Channel. You're going, yeah. Okay, it's it's not that picturesque or anything, but yeah. it's the history of it and uh, being able to go there. And as a Canadian, you go to Juneau Beach um, and, and kind of look at that. And then on that same trip, I went to Vimy, uh, Vimy Ridge. And um, I've, I found that quite moving. And uh, from a Guelph perspective, I know they've had Ridge uh, as a musical by a group that uh, perform the um, I guess the the stories or the writings of of soldiers that served in in World War One. Yeah, to tell, to tell about that. Um, again, some of the classic things, just uh, cemeteries uh, in uh, in in uh, London, Paris. Um, I, I really <laughs> should remember more of these things. Uh, I, more recently, I was in uh, I was in uh, Nashville in March. I guess it was. Uh, there was a fantastic museum on the history of Tennessee. Uh huh. Obviously, there's some dark history in that part of the United States, and the way they had to curate some of the stories. Um, but they had a lot of interactive things, which was interesting. But I also did a private tour with a guide who drove me around to the different battle sites. And I mean, you can still find little bullet fragments from the American Civil War. Uh, I mean, it's uh, it's it's kind of, I don't want to say it's living history, but you get a very different experience when, as I said, you're kind of involved in the, the again, if you can do a private one too, because you can kind of ask what's interesting, of interest to you, as yeah. opposed to a canned canned story. Um, I know I'm, I'm I'm probably forgetting a few things, but uh, as I said, anything in Eastern Europe um, from the Soviet period, it's uh, there's still lots of things out there. But as I alluded to, there's very sensitive views, particularly in the world we're in right now, on how you yeah. remember some of these things. Um, it's interesting to hear that they have some of the same debates about statues that we have. <laughs> that uh... well, I made a note here about that because I knew they were trying to build the uh, monument to the victims of communism in Ottawa for a number right. of years, and then rightly or wrongly, they kind of had to point out like we we still deal with communist countries of the world, Vietnam, China, on certain things, um, and then it was like, well, maybe we should make a European communism. And I said, well, yeah. there's nothing wrong with memorializing things, but. You've got to remember, once again, um, it's not a universal, obviously, I'm not supporting any of this stuff about the Soviet period or anything right. from that perspective. <laughs> um, but uh, your stories and the, the Canadian Human Rights Museum, that was a fascinating museum in Winnipeg I went to. Um, and I talked to people who worked there. And again, they had a lot of uh, challenges. One, when they figured out where the grounds were, it was on... Uh, uh, First Nations uh, land. Um, right. when the, and so what do you include in that museum about that history? And then you had deba debates from different communities on how big their exhibit was in the museum. Like you literally got into discussions on why is their exhibit bigger than mine? Does that mm -hmm. make their story more tragic than mine? And um, those are not great things to have to deal with. Um but it's the reality. Once you decide to put something on display or stories to tell, um, you, at some point you got to curate something and make a make a decision. But you're not going to get universal acceptance when you create these things. 
Am I correct in assuming that sort of academic guising, if that's even a word, but like in terms of like creating like a sets of like like research documents and, and sort of like trying to I guess organize everything and categorize everything. This is relatively new research we're in. Uh, within dark tourism within dark or, tourism yeah yes and, and and i'm glad you brought that up because i alluded to this uh, conference in dark tourism is i couldn't believe the tension between <laughs> different people of uh again you had anthropologists sociologists uh historians uh myself as a as a as a business academic if you want to look at it that way um and saying who should be doing they're debating who should do this research and, and i'm right. sitting going for lack of a better way to put it, I don't care. I mean, if it's <laughs> if it's interesting and well done research, you don't really own it. Um, it's not like physical sciences where there's certain properties of what you do and do not have to do. But to me, as I said, my orientation, it's not even really the, you know, I mean, obviously it's the tourism aspect because it's about visiting places. But to me, it was more what is the behavior of the people when they visit there? What kind of things do you offer them? And I started collecting uh, older uh, tourism guides to some of these cities uh, to say, like, what kind of stories were they telling about these cities in the past? And then Lonely Planet, um, I'm, I'm a big supporter of the way they've been writing. Obviously, it's a little more different now with the, the digital. Um, they looking, when did they first mention dark tourism? Uh, I mean, there was dark tourism, what I'd call dark tourism events in these guides going back quite a, quite a ways, but then they actually started having sections saying this is dark tourism. And uh, so it's becoming a more formal area, but the traditional tourism industry, if you will, it's not generally the, the, the tourism niche that you want to focus on because one, it's either it's 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 tragedy and it's not great memories, but also it doesn't really lend itself to repeat tourism. Right. So um, one one final other one to say, like I mentioned, Day of the Dead, I went to the celebration in the cemetery in Hollywood last year. They have it every year and, and they build altars um, with basically memories to the departed. And um, to me, that was a, a fascinating way to depict something which wasn't really culturally related to Los Angeles, but it brought up the whole thing about Disneyfication of things when the movie Coco came out and right. Um, and then there's day of the dead Barbies. Uh, so some of these things became to me of interest because from a research question saying, okay, I understand again, are you doing this? Cause there's commerce, but what are the implications to one, the actual stories or the more importantly, the culture cultural aspects of the history of of, of these events mm -hmm. i'm not sure i really answered the question that clearly but <laughs> no no i just you know it's it's interesting to me i mean there's a there's a whole netflix show called dark tourist which you know and you'll notice there hasn't been a second one because <laughs> there hasn't been a second one because there's no repeat there's a lot of controversy on that um but I mean, it speaks to the sort of the cultural penetration, right? That if you mm -hmm. if there's a Netflix show about it, then chances are this this is a sort of like a verified field. But you know, one of the reasons why I ask you that as as kind of like a, a, a parting question is that there's still a lot of opportunity here. This is something that is is happening now, and you as a marketing professor have a role in it. But there's, as you said, there are historians, anthropologists, mm -hmm. sociologists, local experts. You know, mm -hmm. people yep. who are hitting the library hard digging this stuff up too. 
are people who live through these events. I, yeah. I mean, directly or indirectly. I mean, I mean, those stories are really important to include. Um, but the question is, how do you, again, I'll say market them or how do you position them in the sense of, is this something I'm going to spend money on seeing? More importantly, am I going to come back again? How do you keep updating? Um, all these sort of things. So I've always felt I've been at least fairly sensitive um, in, in my research, because again, it's rarely been, well, I don't think it's ever been my stories that I've been looking at. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's these places I visit in the, in the histories, but it has highlighted to me again, the value of, of, of travel to visit places. I mean, we can read everything we want online now and even talk to people obviously online, <laughs> um, but to visit the location of some of these atrocities or even the funny dark, if you want to call them funny or light, uh, light uh, hearted uh, dark tourism to visit these places. So I'm a huge believer on travel. And maybe the last thing on, on that point was COVID obviously yeah. we weren't traveling. So there's a huge pent up demand for traveling. And I've been asked before saying, well, are people going to go to see dark tourism stuff? And I said, I'll be blunt. I think the vast majority of tourism right now is you either want to go to things you're afraid you'll never get to see, mm -hmm. or you want to get away from stuff and relax and go back to maybe your beach vacation or your um, more touristy type vacation. Why do I want to learn about death and suffering? I just came out of a pandemic. So, <laughs> but having said that, a couple of years, I guess, if you want to say we're a couple of years after it, um, you, you, there's still interest there. And, and unfortunately, um, there's more dark events occurring basically as we speak. Right. Uh, and what are the implications on that going ahead five, 10 years in terms of should we do it? How do you do it? I still think it's there's going to be an interest there because the title of the course I always stop start with, we all will die. But how do why would you want to experience things related to death before you die? Well, because it's an unknown. And uh mm -hmm. yes, but I once again I will caveat, I am a marketing professor. So <laughs> <laughs> this is my lens of how I look at things. <sighs> I, I do not preach on how you should do these things. Um, I, I guess we'll just leave it by saying to be continued. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Brent McKenzie, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Adam. I appreciate it. And once again, that was Brent McKenzie. If you are interested in some local dark tourism experiences, there's no shortage of things to do this Halloween week. Ghost Walk of Guelph will be running walks from Thursday to Saturday at 8 p.m., and you can sign up at ghostwalkofguelph.com. Jay Wilson will be leading one more walk this season with a performance of The Unfortunate Man on Friday at 7 p.m., and you can get tickets at Eventbrite. You can check out a wide variety of historical walks from the OR lands to Guelph's hidden burial grounds with Guelph Urbex at Guelph Urbex, that is guelphurbex.com, and finally, local historian Bonnie Dirtnell will talk about her new book, Haunted Guelph, at the Main Library on Thursday, October 26th at 7 p.m. And that's it for this week's show. We hope you liked it, and happy Halloween to everyone out there. You can download the Guelph Politicast every Wednesday from Apple, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. And when you subscribe to the Guelph Politicast channel, you'll get an episode of Open Sources Guelph on Mondays and an episode of End Credits on Fridays. The music for the Guelph Politicast comes from KPM Classics and Sid Dale. You can follow 
Guelph Politico on social media, at Guelph Politico on Twitter, and at Politico Guelph on Facebook. You can follow me personally at Adam A. Donaldson on Twitter and Instagram, or send me an email at adamadonaldson at gmail.com. If you'd like to help financially support the work of Guelph Politico, you can get all that information at guelphpolitico.ca slash donate. And finally, for all the latest local political news, check out guelphpolitico.ca where there will be a new episode of the Guelph Politicast for you sometime next week. And until then, happy Halloween!